podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So hello there and welcome back to the DNF1 F1 podcast, a show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you of course choose to follow us on. And guys, this is a brand new series that we are introducing to the DNF1 F1 podcast. We are very much embedded in the summer break and I figured it would be a good opportunity to learn about some new creators that are expanding the horizon of Formula One in terms of an inclusive perspective. And so we are starting a new series on DNF1. It is about a celebration of women in motorsport. And for the first series of this, we are going to be focusing on some content creators who have recently made themselves known in the F1 YouTube space. And in particular, the women that can tell us about their stories, their experiences, and most importantly, learn about their passion for motorsport and obviously where that come from and obviously where they'd like to go with it, hopefully very high. And first, joining us on this very first episode of this series, a good friend of mine, I'm really, really happy to have her back on the DNF1 F1 podcast, is Manena from A Girl Talks F1. Manena, first of all, how are you doing? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Adam. For me, it's such a pleasure to be back here because like you said, I mean, we've been friends for a while and it's been a while since we hadn't actually talked. So I am so happy to be here and thank you so much. Such an honor. I didn't know I was the first one in this series. So that makes me extra excited today. Well, given that you were the first, uh, technically the first woman that's ever appeared on the DNF1 F1 podcast, it just seemed appropriate for you to be the very first woman, of course, to appear in this brand new series with us, where, of course, we can talk to you and other women content creators and obviously celebrate your stories and your journeys and try to learn a bit more about uh, what you love about Formula One in the same way that a lot of guys do, because I think... What I love about your channel, A Girl Talks F1, and guys, of course, if you are interested in Menendez content, definitely check her out on YouTube um, and subscribe to her channel. Some really good stuff on there. But the one thing I love about your channel is it very much addresses the stigma about women like cars too, women like F1 too. We like to talk about it. It's not just a gentleman or boys club. And it's very easy to look at motorsport in general in that regard, even though this is something that you'd expect to not exist anymore but it still does right. um i mean regarding your channel manana where did it how did it all began what made you decide you wanted to make a youtube channel and make content about motorsport and formula one it's actually a funny story because it was my mom's idea basically so i had the fortune of doing my internship in formula one in the mexican grand prix when they came back to mexico after being absent for 20 years And I had already liked Formula One a little bit before that. So my teacher told me, look, hey, there's an opportunity for people in your career in which if you want, you can do your internship in Formula One. And I was about to like finish school and I still hadn't done my internship. So I took it. And just being there made me like Formula One even more. I mean, listening to the engines and the cars pass by. I'm not even kidding. Every single time a car would pass by, I would get goosebumps. And the energy just in the track was just so big. Everybody was like 
and partying and happy and just being there for the same reason, you know, like it didn't matter where you came from, like from which part of the world, from which like environment or whatever, everybody became one and everybody was there together. So that for me made it so special. And I started following Formula One a bit more after that. And in the pandemic, I just became obsessed. I was like, I have nothing to do. So I used to watch Drive to Survive all day and Formula One races and this and that. And I started becoming so invested and I've never really been a sporty girl, if I'm honest with you. I've always been into fashion and makeup and stuff, which that kind of creates another stigma, you know, using the word stigma again. But my mom was like, well, you're always talking about Formula One and you already have one blog, why don't you just create a motorsports blog in which you talk about Formula One a little bit more? That's gonna be really unexpected. And I was like, mom, nobody has a Formula One blog. Why would I do it? And then as I started doing some research, I started discovering so many websites, so many vlogs and everything. I was like, you know what? I'll do it. And I was like, I'm just gonna do it for fun. Like, I'm not really trying to get anywhere. So whatever happens, happens and now we're here (laughs) so yeah well I mean that's a pretty amazing story I mean I can't say I've heard many people describe their introduction to Formula One as passionately as that I mean (laughs) I mean that must have been amazing going to the Mexican Grand Prix in an internship and obviously being a part of the the paddock the euphoria the support and immersing yourself in the F1 world sorry to interrupt I wasn't as lucky to go to the paddock I studied communications so I was in the organization of the event area but I did see quite a few celebrities in my zone like Barrafelli I don't know if you know her but she's a very very famous ex Victoria's Secret model from Israel so there was like people like her in my area so I did not meet the drivers but I saw a lot of celebrities, so equal cool, just in a different context, let's say. Yeah, I think me admitting which Victoria's Secret models I know or do not know is probably not a good <laughs> idea to do on my own podcast. So uh, I'll just say, very interesting. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, even still, you know, obviously not being at the right centre of it, you know, being a part of it all and the atmosphere and everything yeah. else. I mean, considering that was your first um first experience if you like of uh, experiencing motorsport in general live at an event like that especially in Mexico I mean the passion of the Mexican fan base is second to none uh, in that regard they love their racing so that must have been a really really special moment for you Latinos are very passionate and I mean it's no wonder that Mexico the Grand Prix has won the best event of the year so many times in a row because more than the event because maybe in mexico they don't like do these like aerodynamic well not aerodynamics from the car but like from the air like you know in france that they put this planes with like the colored smoke and stuff maybe they don't do that in mexico but i feel it's more because of like the energy and the passion and like the confetti and the celebration and there's concerts everywhere and there's always something to do like Because yes, maybe more men like motorsports than women, but you know, there's always a little bit of extra activities. I believe in the paddock, there's even like a spa or something in Mexico. Like 
So women or men in that case even can do different activities while they're not watching the race. So I feel that's what kind of gives it like the special touch. It's like they created a music festival or something of the sort around the Formula One race. No, definitely. I mean, it sounds like the Paddock Club membership has certainly upgraded over the years and it sounds like they get their money's yeah. worth, even if they're not interested in going to the race itself. But um, yeah, I, I, what I love about the Mexican circuit, um, it, you know, obviously the history that's embedded with F1, yeah. uh, obviously it was redone uh, not too long ago, but the stadium section in the final sector where you, you're basically entering into almost like a football arena, if you like, of yeah. fans and it's going crazy. And part of you almost wants to pull your car over and sort of get out and just enjoy it all. But you've got a race to get on. So you've got to do it over yeah. and over again. Of course, if you're fortunate enough to win a race there and stand on that podium. Uh, I, I vividly remember Lewis Hamilton when he won his fifth world championship a couple of years ago at Mexico, of course. And obviously the atmosphere and the vibe there was pretty special. I'm almost intrigued to wonder what it would be like if Sergio Perez wins at the Mexican Grand Prix very much could do so this season it certainly can't be ruled he out could. and you know what I think about that I think that if Max Verstappen gets very much ahead of Lewis Hamilton in the next few races there's a big chance that Red Bull is going to do everything it takes for Checo Perez to win in Mexico I know they want to do everything for Max to win and Checo is aware of that Checo is Sergio by the way um, Chico is aware of that, but I feel that they could help him win in Mexico, but only if Max Verstappen is ahead. So Max, if you're watching this, you better be ahead because we want our paisano to win in our country. It would be the first time a Mexican wins a Mexican Grand Prix in Mexico. I said Mexico so many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if Max Verstappen is somehow watching this podcast, then uh, he needs to get in touch with me because I've got a few proposals I want to send his way um, relating to some collabs. Um, but yeah, uh, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, I can totally understand how that must feel. Obviously, I, you know, only seen a race at Silverstone once in my experience, and it certainly is a very unique atmosphere. I think people go into their home race always is a unique atmosphere and I'd always encourage it wherever you are from around the world if right. there is an F1 race there. Um, a bit more about you though. Obviously, you know, you've made your channel back in September last year. Yeah, correct. Obviously, both our channels are still relatively young. I think ours is only a couple yeah. of months older. But you've come a long way in such a short time and then of course, not to fanboy too much, but obviously you've got <laughs> over 750 subscribers. So still very much in the infant stages, but very much racing yeah. towards a thousand. So of course, guys, if we can help Menena get to a thousand, please, please do. I definitely recommend Thank it. Thank you so much. No, no, it's absolutely fine. I appreciate, uh, appreciate people coming on. And the least that I can do is try and send some of my followers in your direction. Um, awesome. But of course, you know, as well as doing your own YouTube channel now, you're also a presenter. Am I right with uh, uh, right. Sipse Deportes? Is that correct? Uh, so the name is Sipse Deportes. <laughs> it's okay. Um, this is a TV chain. It's semi-local. It's more of the peninsula, let's say. So it's it takes a few states of Mexico in which they present this. And I have my own segment on TV, which is around three to five minutes every single Thursday. And I talk a bit about Formula One, but because there are other sports and motorsports, I am going to try to expand a bit more, always making Formula One the focus, but talk a bit more about other things because, you know, in America, 
and I mean America, the continent, not the country, right? In America, NASCAR and IndyCar are also pretty big, but we don't have IndyCar in Mexico. We do have NASCAR though. So I've been getting a bit involved with them too. Thanks to having them on a few of my interviews and stuff for my podcast. So I did a giveaway with them and I'm going to be going to one of the races as, you know, press and stuff. So it's going to be really cool. So even though my focus is Formula One, I am trying to expand my horizons a bit more to give, you know, people of every fandom a little bit of what they want to hear. No, that's fantastic. And and I was going to ask, obviously, how you came about to becoming a presenter with Cipse Deportes. But um, <laughs> you clearly answered that for me, obviously doing collab work with a, a couple of people involved. And that has obviously opened doors for you, which is fantastic. And it has, but that was not the way I did it, actually. So everybody follow your dreams and don't step on until you make them. I'm sorry for interrupting you, Adam, but <laughs> it's just such a relatable way the way I did it. I'm not telling people to become intense, but to always go after what they want. I had, as I mentioned at the beginning, I had a fashion blog and I always tried to like, you know, do collaborations with like other channels or people on TV or stuff like that. But unfortunately, this never really happened because I would always leave it. Like I never dedicated enough time to it. And then when it came to this one, I was like, you know what? Maybe my mom is right. Maybe it does sound a bit rare that a woman that likes to do her makeup and that likes to pick out her clothes also likes to talk about motorsports, you know? So I was like, let's see how far I can get with this. And I literally wrote on Facebook to a few local TV chains. Hi, I would love to present myself. My name is blah, blah, blah. And I have, you know, a motorsports blog in which I talk mostly about Formula One and I interview people from the sports, this and that. Nobody answered me except for them. And they were like, oh, we really liked your podcast. Can we borrow your audios so that we can play it on our podcast in the sports section? And I was like, sure. And I was like, this is going to be like a great way for me to later on ask them if I can do something on TV. But I was like, I'm gonna wait two to three months. It was a month after and they were like, hey. So the person in charge of the sports section wants to meet you because we wanna see if we can actually get somewhere on TV together. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So I didn't even have to tell them about TV. They instantly wrote to me like a bit less than a month that I had been, they had been playing my podcasts. And here we are now. So <laughs> we'll see what projects come after. I've only been there for a month and a half. So we'll see what new projects develop out of this. Well, no, that's great. I mean, you know, that, that's a really, really good story because I think a lot of people, um, and, and forgive are scared? me. Um, yeah, I suppose I should, I should probably be the best way of putting it because I think I can relate that to my own experience to some degree. I mean, I've never been asked to do any presenter work, uh, professional presenter work or any capacity, although if there are any presenters that are looking for people or producers, then, you know, let me know. Um, (laughs) My expertise is Formula One, but I can rant about football if you want me to. Um, But, you know, that being said, I think a lot of people look at professional presenters or broadcasters um, for whatever reason and think that they just fall into positions like that. They don't work for it they just get handed them to them and 
clearly, you know, what you've expressed there is obviously, you know, from I've seen your content, I think you're very, very talented at what you do. And I think you're very good. And it's nice that through your own hard work and perseverance and just really trying and putting yourself out there, you've been rewarded with an opportunity to build that portfolio, if you like, get that experience as a presenter, which of course you will then use in turn to get jobs with perhaps other broadcasters in the future and uh, maybe climb the ladder and who knows we'll be seeing you on the f1 grid maybe for sky f1 or espn i'm majorly excited and so happy for this opportunity like you always have to start somewhere and if i have to tell anybody if i would like for anybody to take something out of you know this video is that you know always work hard for your dreams don't wait for people to come to you you go to them as i said do not be intense but be persistent and start small you know don't expect to become a formula one presenter a week after you open your blog like you have to start somewhere if you can start small and as you said go climbing up the ladder there's no better way to do that because also you start getting experience so that when you actually reach the peak to be, you already have experience and you can already be the best at it because you already tried, you already got mistakes, you already, you know, did all these things that led you to where you are. So your position is going to be much more safe, let's say. Mm. You're not a one-time wonder. Yeah, no, absolutely true. I completely agree with that one. Um, Certainly probably got to try a little bit of that myself. Um, But, you know, it it is what it is. But one thing I did want to ask, obviously, you know, you've obviously managed to land a a role as a presenter, uh, as I said, to build on that experience, etc. You mentioned that you were a bit scared at first until obviously you spoke to your mother about it and she gave you the confidence and encouragement to really pursue something like this (laughs) did you feel perhaps one of the reasons why you might have been a bit scared or apprehensive towards pursuing something like that is because you felt that because it's to do with sports and motorsport in particular that they wouldn't be interested in perhaps hiring a a woman as a presenter rather than say someone that looks like me for example who they may just look at me and think that, you know, he's a guy, he's more likely to know what he's talking about, which of course is the wrong attitude. It is the wrong attitude, but unfortunately it is the attitude. For me, like, I remember people telling me, what is your target? Like, who are you trying to reach? Are you trying to reach women? And I'm like, no, we're probably not enough. Are you trying to reach men? And I'm like, No, I'm trying to reach anybody that is willing to listen to a woman talk about motorsports. That's my target. It's probably not as segmented as I would like. But yes, I definitely was scared of being a woman, especially because I like to, you know, do my makeup and fashion and stuff. So that puts you even in a like more vulnerable spot because Some people can go like, oh, go back to your thing. Like, what are you even doing here, you know? So I've always tried to really study what I'm about to talk about. Of course, I do make an occasional mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. But being a woman that loves fashion and then you have those certain mistakes, people, instead of going like, oh, wow, everything you told us was awesome. Oh, no, no, no. They go straight to that mistake you missed this. 
that's wrong, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? I just try to focus on my work and focus on myself. Doesn't matter who you are. You can be Madonna. You can be Lewis Hamilton. You can be God. Not everybody's going to love you. So do your thing for you, but also do it for the people that actually like what you're doing, for the people that support you. Never, ever, ever think about the haters because haters, oh, this is going to sound kind of mean, but haters only hate themselves, you know, and they want to make you feel as bad as they do. So they're always going to try to do things to bring you down. So just focus on yourself and all as well. And also like for people that are listening to this and that have a blog or that want to start a blog, but they're a little bit scared. Whenever somebody says something bad about you, it's more a reflection of themselves than of you or else they wouldn't be saying it. Like, why do you even feel the need to try to bring somebody down? You just have to be strong headed that that's not going to affect you because you're focused on your work, not on what people are saying about you. Of course, there's always good criticism, but you have to learn to defer as to what is a good criticism and what is just criticism. And then all of these types of things, I feel that work for your own good and for your success. So, yeah. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think it's very, very well said. Um, I certainly couldn't put it better myself. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I can I can somewhat relate to that experience to a degree. Um, I certainly not had uh, negative feedback with anyone saying, oh, I should stay in my lane or I don't know what I'm talking about because of my gender. No one's yeah. ever said that to me. And I've made mistakes on this podcast. I've said things, not bad things. I've made like a casual mistake. I remember once talking right. about the Indy 500 and I remember saying that um, there were no points. It was like a glorified exp- exhibition event. And an <laughs> indie fan responded, rightfully so and called me out and said ad you messed up mate there are points if anything it's double points that are available at the indie race and i thought okay fair enough but i can imagine in a in this world that if they say you or another woman content creator made the same mistake they would be making it more potentially making it more about your gender yeah. that you don't know what you're talking about yeah. rather than the fact that you've just made an honest mistake uh, is that something yeah. that you've experienced much um uh, with your content or when you've presented or done your podcast Definitely. Definitely. I don't remember exactly what types of comments I've received, but they went something like that. I was only doing this for exposure, that I was only doing this for men to look at me, that I was only doing this, you know, to get more attention from men. And I was like, dude, I'm not even, I don't even care if you're a woman, the woman that's watching. Like all I care is that it's heard because I like talking about things that probably not everybody is talking about at the moment. I even have like a mini basic formula one knowledge series for people that are just starting to get into it. So I honestly, the last thing that comes to my mind when I upload content is I want men to look at me. (laughs) Like, I don't even care if you're a man, if you're a woman, if you're young, if you're old. Dude, I just care that we all get together in this environment, you know, and we all talk about what we like and we can create a debate. And I always like a little bit of healthy controversy, you know, 
I don't have to agree with you. You don't have to agree with me. It's awesome that we both express our points of views. So like you said, us as content creators, we express our points of views a lot. It doesn't mean that we're right. It doesn't mean that we're wrong either. It just means that we're saying our opinion. And a lot of people do go like, you don't even know what you're talking about. You're wrong. And I'm like, uh, this is my opinion. If you don't agree with me, you don't have to agree. Just don't tell me that I'm wrong when I'm talking about what I think, you know, because I have had comments like that also. I remember this once I uploaded a video with my Formula One predictions and precisely I said that in 2021, I think Max Verstappen is going to be world champion. And this was before, like, a few months before Formula One even started, like the 2021 season, somebody wrote to me, oh my gosh, you really think somebody's going to beat the seven times world champion Lewis Hamilton? You're stupid. First of all, I deleted the comment. Secondly, I wrote to that person personally, this is my opinion. You do not have to agree with me. I think Max Verstappen is going to win and hello, he is winning. I mean, well, not right now, but I'm pretty sure he is going to win. And this was even before the whole season started. But I was like, you don't have to offend me. And you don't have to tell me I'm wrong just because I'm saying what I think, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that is quite shocking that someone would go to those lengths to openly criticize you just because you've expressed your opinion and say you don't know what you're yeah. talking about because you're a woman. Um, that That's unacceptable. And it, it's strange because... You mentioned the 2021 predictions and I find it interesting you mentioned that because you actually appeared on our episode when we did our 2021 predictions um, <laughs> and I remember yeah. that and of course we both agreed that we felt Max Verstappen was going to yes. be world champion this season. And we're going to be right. That's our <laughs> opinion but that's my opinion by the way so no hate. <laughs> <laughs> no but the funny the weird thing is is that in, in the comment section on my channel which is bear in mind it's it's based in the UK so of course if you've if there are followers not from the UK listening to this podcast, my channel is based in the UK, whereas Menena is obviously based in Mexico. So mm -hmm. there's certain audiences obviously aren't going to see that. So in, in my case, you would expect people to criticize uh, more, or be more likely to criticize people that don't believe Lewis is going to win when you yeah. have a podcast that, or content that's based in the country that Lewis Hamilton is from. But we never got right. anything like that. Of course, there were people that disagreed. But they never said anything, oh, you guys are stupid or Menena doesn't know what she's talking about, like stay in her lane or or Adam, that you know, that idiot with the glasses and blue shirt, like get him off. He's a clown. Like, <laughs> all right, fair enough. If you're going to think that way, then that's fine. But of course, you know, don't make it about gender or anything else like that. Right. But that's what I find really strange. And I think as a man, I've I've never experienced um, any sort of negative comment on my content based right. on my gender or anything else on top of all of that so when I hear stories about women that have these issues I, I just find it strange because I, I, we're in a world now where there are so in so many platforms in terms of broadcasters and pundits for loads of sports like Formula One football's a great example in this country we've seen a lot lot more women being presenters and pundits and that's a fantastic thing but yeah. there are so many people that even still today get annoyed about seeing yeah. a panel room just full of women are like oh god I ain't gonna listen to what they've got to say and like you haven't even heard what they're <laughs> gonna say and and bear in right. mind a lot of these women that do like football for example 
they're former footballers, former professional footballers that have played for their country or top clubs. Yeah. They know what they talk. They know what they don't know about football ain't worth knowing. And it's the same with Formula One. The people that do the women that do so many good jobs there. And I find it really strange that people can be triggered by a room full of women that are talking Definitely. about sport. Like, why does it have to be a room full of guys? Like, that makes right. no sense to me. And I'm not even kidding when I say that. I'm not saying that women are better than men. Never. For me, men are equally are equally as good as women in any sense. But I feel that as women, we study a bit more what we're going to talk about. So we can actually have you know, not a background, but like a base to defend ourselves in case people start saying that we don't know what we're talking about, you know? And I feel that men talk a bit more about what they've already seen. I'm not saying that no men studies what they're going to say. There's all types of men, but I'm saying that men talk more based on their experience and women as as women, we study a bit more what we're going to say, because well, you want to have, you know, what I said, that base as to people start telling you, you don't know what you're talking about. You can go like, I wrote everything down before I said it, you know? Yeah, no, I absolutely understand that. And yeah, I I can totally agree. I I think that there are women that are broadcasters and they probably feel they have to work twice as hard um, and brush up on their knowledge twice as much as the average man does. Not to say men don't, of course they do. Um, But because they know that if they mess up, that the chances are that they will be gone or forgotten about and that will be moved over the next person in line so this is the sort of thing that I feel like is really important about celebrating um, the influx of women the growing influx if you like of women entering motorsport and other sports as well you know in terms in the media capacity Um, and I suppose one thing I probably should ask you and forgive me because this might be a little bit intrusive um, but have you experienced any situations where there have been men or even other women that might have commented or uh, interacted with you to try and hit on you or to try and <laughs> no seriously like through your content um no i have it's strange because some people have even asked me like because i mean i've never been the kind of person that leaves somebody on scene like i always try to answer to everybody but there's some people that just because you've spoken for like two, three days, they go like, so what do you think if you and I start dating? And I'm like, uh, what? I'm like, are you serious? No, that is what I don't answer. <laughs> or like, so, I mean, normally people are super respectful and normally this does not happen. Normally they can go like, oh, you're very pretty. Well, that's sweet. You know, oh, thank you. But it's been like two, three months. Like, what if we start dating? I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> Are you serious right now? Or like there was this guy that was very intense. But like comments that made me feel uncomfortable, you know? And to him, like the first time he was like, you're beautiful. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Like whatever. And then he started like chatting about Formula One and all was great. But then he started like becoming a bit more intense and probably inappropriate with his comments not too inappropriate but I feel that if I ever got to answer that he would go to like an extreme level but like to an extent that it made me feel uncomfortable and I stopped answering and he would keep on doing it until one day I was like you know what your comments are really inappropriate and they make me feel really uncomfortable 
please, if you're going to keep on commenting these types of things, stop writing to me. And he stopped. Like he didn't stop writing. He just stopped those types of comments. So I, I was like, if I don't speak my mind, like, then this wouldn't have ever stopped. He would have continued because there's some men that doesn't matter how many times you block them or how many times you don't answer. They just still will keep talking to you, you know? But I actually wanted to say something regarding what you said previously, like earlier. I've never really seen being a woman in the sport, something discouraging. Like, I don't care how badly people talk about me. If they talk nice about me, that's awesome. But if they talk badly about me, like for me, that only gives me more force to want to succeed. You know, I find myself very competitive and I've never really like ever since I was a little girl, I've never really let that comments get to me. For me, that's more like an impulse to want to do better. You know, I never like go crawl under a rock and go like, oh no, he said I was ugly. Oh no, he said I'm a man attention seeker. He said, I don't know what I'm saying. Oh no, he's noticed that I'm wrong. No, like, I don't care. Like I noticed I was wrong this time. So I'll double fact, I'll double check my facts even more for next time. And that just only makes me want to push harder to like succeed in this environment, you know? So yeah, I feel that a lot of women might feel the same way as I do. Or else there wouldn't be so many new female creators, new female engineers, new female presenters, you know, in the sport. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I suppose, you know, from your experience, it's obviously very, very important to be taken seriously for your content. I yeah. mean, for those of you that haven't checked out Manena's content, I, I pro it's probably fair to say that a lot of your content is, is very informative. Yeah, um, it's you mostly know, it's informative, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's very I informative. I just try stuff. to give it that kind of like fun twist. It's not informative as in, oh, you're at school. Let's talk about Formula One today. No, but I try to like implement a little bit of like my Latino personality and I try to like you know, sometimes create little games and have drinks while we're doing a live or like take shots even sometimes. Like, I don't know. I just try to make it fun. Like, even though we're always educating, let's say, to do it in a fun way. And then if I'm talking about something informative to try to add like a little joke or two or to add like cool music or like photos or like a little bit of editing to my videos. So I just try to make it as informative but as fun as possible. Yeah, so, and, yeah. And, and that's a good thing. I mean... I mean, look, let's, you know, let's be honest about this. I mean, the content that you make, uh, as I said, is very informative stuff. Um, and one thing that you do like to do, obviously make reels on Instagram, social media, yeah. obviously <laughs> of you expressing yourself and having some fun with it. Obviously, you know, you know, you're looking the part, you, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, better way of putting it, obviously, you know, you look great at what you do and you're dancing, you're having fun, but you're obviously educating <laughs> people in Formula One and you're just expressing your passion. And right. for me, I, I get that. It's a different niche. It's not something I've seen many content creators do at all. Um, and it, it is quite interesting because I think it's, it's, it's a new way to educate people about formula one and talk about f1 topics it's not necessarily just me sitting in a room in a microphone talking about my passion i mean look let's be honest if there are people out there that like 
someone that looks like a cross between Harry Potter and Buddy Holly, then go for it. That's great. Um, and if you are, let me know in the comments. But that model's for GQ because you're a model also, no? <laughs> well, not necessarily a GQ one. Um, I prefer role model is probably the total model that I would be. There but, you um, go. <laughs> and not a very good one of that either. But, but what I mean is, is obviously, you know, when you put out that kind of content, you obviously want people to take you seriously. You don't want people yeah. to think, oh, it's a pretty Latina girl in a nice dress, dancing around, looking fantastic. <laughs> oh, there's an F1 car in the background. I didn't notice that. You obviously want to be taken seriously yeah. for your content rather than people to just check you out because of how you look. Right, right, definitely. But you know what? This is something. I feel that I've always been very strong-headed since I was a little girl. Don't ask me why. I've always felt... Well, probably now is the first time I feel my own age. But ever since I was young, I always felt like I was an older person in a younger person's body, you know? So I've always been very strong-headed and I've never really let the exterior of anything affect me. Hey, I mean, there was a time I used braces and glasses and whatever you want to say, like all those things that, I mean glasses are hot but like you <laughs> if you wear glasses and braces at the same time who are you you know you're not the prettiest woman in the world that never stopped me from being confident so i always like i i modeled when i was a little girl for a bit and whatever but i never based my worth on how i looked i always based my worth on my intelligence and on how I am as a human being. I've made mistakes. I've been probably not the brightest person in the room. I've probably not been the nicest also, but I was talking to you before we started this that I'm very into energies and everything. I don't mean like, in a, you know, like put your quartz to the moon so that, no, no, no. But I mean, I like being very spiritual and I like, being able to have my worth on things that I can't control, which is what you know, what you do. Because beauty, I mean, you can be a beautiful woman at 100 years old, but you could have also been Miss Universe at 20 and be the ugliest, unhealthiest woman in the world by 50, you know? So, I mean, it... For me, the exterior does not matter. What matters is what sounds very, you know, fantasizy, but like what matters is what's on the inside and how much you know and how intelligent you are. So I've never, I mean, I don't consider myself ugly, but I don't consider myself the most beautiful woman in the world. I'm just comfortable with myself, you know? And that's something else that I try to express, like to for people to see that I am comfortable in my own skin. Just because I'm a woman, I don't need to hate myself, you know, because that's a trend nowadays, apparently. You're never thin enough. You're never curvy enough. You're never pretty enough, you know? So I'm like, I'm comfortable with the way I am. And this has caused me problems with other women because maybe I mean, women in general are probably not as confident. So I try to hang out with other confident women that are also comfortable with how they look and the way they are. So yeah, I think that personality and intelligence is far more important than how pretty or 
ugly you are because the word ugly doesn't even exist i mean what's normal you know mm. yeah what the media yeah. tries to make mm. you believe is normal mm. no everybody is beautiful even if it's in their own way but everybody is beautiful you yeah. know so yeah that's my way of seeing it like i never like i i for me it's not about I am pretty or I am ugly. Therefore, people are not going to take me seriously. But it's more like, I like to try to look pretty. So this might make people not take me seriously. But hey, I might shut your mouth with what I'm actually singing, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, when it comes to your content, obviously, the most important thing is that what you put out is entertaining and that in your case, it's very informative as well. So obviously, you know, you have your podcast, you interview some great guests, and yeah. you're doing your presenter work as well. And of course, obviously, you know, you, you want to make yourself look glamorous. And I think in a way that um, with your content, it does add that little bit of extra glamour to F1, which is a glamour show in its own right, perhaps a little less than it used to be for different reasons. Um, necessarily good ones, of course, if uh, people understand what I'm talking about. But, um, you know, th- there's always that need. I think that perhaps I'm guessing some women just want to be taken seriously for the content that they do relating to form one rather than people just saying, oh yeah, she looks gorgeous. I might uh, chat her up or flirt with her on here because that's exactly what she wants. Um, for for clarification, <laughs> guys, um, the reason why I was laughing halfway through that when Manana said, oh guys with glasses are hot is because I was pushing my glasses up my face as she was saying it. So it almost felt like it was a bit prompted <laughs> for my benefit. But of course, guys, if that's what you're after, go, you know, by all means, go for it. Um, each to their own. But, Obviously, back to uh, with F1 in general, obviously the content, um, not just yourself, but obviously other creators, other women creators that are now entering the space in the last couple of years. Do you think that the overall landscape is improving for women content creators? Do you feel that there's now more uh, diversity and more uh, opportunities for women than there used to be, say, 10 years ago? I think so, yes. I mean, I feel that the more you get invested into this, the more you start learning and realizing things that you probably didn't in the past. And one of those things that I've realized is that, well, in Formula One races, whether it was for Sky Sports, Fox Sports, ESPN, you name it, it was mostly men presenters. And now there's been quite a few women presenters. Dare I say that maybe there's probably starting to become an equal or a slightly higher number of women presenters than men. You know, I feel now it's brands that are hiring women to go and cover Formula One races because in a way they have this better, probably a bit more fun chemistry with the drivers because it's opposite sex, you know? So I, I think there's been a lot of new women presenters. I've also had the pleasure of interviewing press officers from motorsports, whether it's MotoGP or whatever, you know, Formula 3, any category you want, that are women, women engineers. So I feel women are starting to grow in every way. But now I have a question for you. So I would love to see a woman back in Formula 1. So they're now starting to race in Formula 3, which is awesome. Well, not now, but it's been sort of recent, let's say. But they also created W Series. And this for me, for me, is a way of saying Formula One now has her female version. Therefore, Formula One does not need females in the sport. What do you think? 
Well, that's a very interesting spin because I wasn't expecting you to ask me that question. I was expecting you to ask me, do you think this is creating an avenue for women to get into Formula One? It's quite the opposite. Um, I think the opposite. (laughs) Well, that's interesting because I was actually going to ask you, do you think we're going to see a Formula One, a women, a woman Formula One driver again in the next decade or so? I mean, we've had Maria Teresa de Filippis in the 1950s and we had Leila Lombardi. Probably people will remember her a bit more in the 70s. There's been five. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, test drivers of course included. Yeah, um, obviously Maria de Velotto. Obviously, I. I've... So, well, no, let's not. I would probably not include test drivers because anybody can be a test driver. That does not mean you're gonna drive in a Formula One car. You know, mm. there's been another Mexican driver that was in Formula One, Esteban Gutierrez. He's now mm. doing a little bit of media and communication with Mercedes. But he had been a test driver for Mercedes and I'm not sure if Ferrari also for mm. God knows how long. And he never really made it back to Formula One. So I feel that being a test driver doesn't give you a pass. No, no, it's fair enough. Um, and, yeah. Sorry, in answer to your question, um, I, I don't think at this point, I think it's too early to say. Um, I've really enjoyed the W Series so far. And I think the intention yeah. of the W Series is to give women a platform to showcase their talents and earn money through sponsors and brand affiliations and of course prize money that the series offers to the best women drivers to use that money to fund the next step for them which would be formula three or formula two um, and maybe use it as an opportunity to get picked up by a formula one driver academy for example jamie chadwick obviously uh, yeah. the W Series champion from before. She is part of the Williams Driver program and, you know, very, very talented young woman. We've got some others like Alice Powell, Abby Eaton, who incidentally, I was talking to someone a little while ago who was on the Grand Tour, um, you know, a yeah. very, very big show on Amazon. And she was incredibly quick. And for me, I, I think the W Series at the moment, it's too early to say if this is the right step to put women into Formula One. I think there is definitely a desire to have a woman driver in Formula One, but ultimately they need to be given an equal platform where they can showcase that they're good enough for it. They're not going to be thrusted into it just for the sake of PR or publicity. So in short, in answer to your question, whilst I can understand people have that perspective that perhaps they've made this series now for women to go and have their day and have their fun uh, on the F1 race weekend, I think at this point the desire is very much there to have a woman in formula one but this is a platform for them to showcase their abilities to prove they're good enough and given the funding they need to try and make that reality the real reality of motorsport is that getting into formula one is now on impossible unless you have the money so hopefully this series will allow teams and other sponsors to look at these women and think actually they're really good i want to see if they can hack it in f2 like um tatiana calderon tried to do as well um, sophia flourish of course as well. But Tatiana is actually supposed to be in the talks to be a part of Indy. So mm, yeah, exactly. that's really exciting. Really? I mean, I feel there's never like in the whole history of life of Formula One, there's been like about seven Formula One drivers from Mexico. Yeah. But nowadays, well, for me, and I notice this because I'm Mexican, probably not everybody else else does but like mexicans we do mexicans are on fire lately i mean we have chico perez in red bull we have pato over that's mm. like almost not leading but almost leading indy and he's gonna have his testing with mclaren at the end of the season and tatiana calderon joining probably indy i mean 
It's just awesome. Like for me, it's so inspiring and it gives me so much like hope, like, because then we go to the gender part issue, but then there's also racial issues, you know, like, and I feel that women, us women, we're opening like a new world for other women or girls in the sport. But then Mexicans are also opening up a new world for other Latinos and Mexicans in the sport. So that's just awesome for me, for me, because I'm a woman and I'm a Latina, you know, so that's just so inspiring. No, I think it's great, um, you know, to have more exposure and allow more women, more opportunities in racing. There's certainly, I mean, I've watched indie races in the past. I've seen women compete in the Indy 500, which is meant to be the the most exhilarating race in the world. And you think if women can handle themselves on that stage, which they have proven they can do, then there's no reason why they can't handle themselves in Formula One or try their hand at Formula E, for example, or a NASCAR series. I mean, Danica Patrick, I was talking to someone about this not long ago. She's a prime example. And she's probably one of the most recognizable figures in NASCAR. Um, And you think, well, if she can do it, why can't other women? And I remember when I was growing up, I was doing competitive karting as a kid. And I must have awesome. competed. I must have competed in so many races over the years, um, and competed against hundreds, maybe thousands of young men at the time. I probably only remember racing against one woman, um, and you know, it was such a long time ago. And I think a l- at the time, she was she was very good. You know, she very much held her own. She she wasn't one of those like a, a driver you, that p- there was probably a feeling in the paddock at the time. And this was about fifteen, sixteen years ago where a lot of the boys, I remember some of them having conversations, basically saying, ah, oh, we've got a girl in here. Everyone needs to be careful of her. Not necessarily because she's dangerous, but like, oh, don't drive into her or don't, obviously don't drive yeah. into people, but just be mindful of her. She might be like five or six seconds a lap slower or maybe worse than that. But the reality was she wasn't. She came to race and she very much right. did that. And I think it impressed a lot of people um, when she first started racing and then she she came back every week and she was enjoying herself and she was a good friend for a long time and I think one thing I would love to see is a lot more young women feeling encouraged that have a passion for motorsport to not be discouraged about trying to see if it goes anywhere when they get to around 13 14 years of age because I imagine a lot of them probably get told ah this is a man's world or this is a boy's game. You don't want to be in sports. Definitely. You want to go on and do something else. Obviously if they want to go and be a doctor or a lawyer or something, that's fantastic. But right. I think they shouldn't be discouraged to chase their dreams any more so than a boy at the same age. Right. Who probably that's why, doesn't have yeah, the talent that she does. Definitely. That's why I feel people should focus more on being strong headed than on looking good or being popular, you know, like, because if you don't let comments get to you, you can get anywhere because you're only focusing on yourself, on your journey and on your goal. It's of course a lot easier said than done. But like the world needs to change. The problem is capitalism and consumism in which they want to make you buy things so they have to make you feel bad, like you're not worth it. So you can actually invest in those things to be worth it. But then another thing comes along and another thing comes along. So like for me, it's so important to use your platform also to try to educate people on being more comfortable with themselves. 
that anybody can do whatever they want to do as long as they work hard for it. Because, yeah, I mean, the world is hard enough as it is in order to make it even harder, you know? Yeah. No, no, I absolutely understand that. And of course, whilst we're not going to get in too much to the politics no, no, no. of stuff like that, because no. that's a completely different discussion for another yeah. day on a different <laughs> and show. I, I don't like getting into politi- political things because no. I do not. Nobody, nobody does at the moment, especially I can start days. screaming. So no. <laughs> yeah, so the internal screams are sort of going on. It's like, no, 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 move it on, move it on. But um, yes, thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously with your career, man, and of course, as you said, you know, you're, you're, you're still considering yourself starting out, you're finding your feet, you're putting yourself out there for opportunities. And by the sounds of it, you're doing great, really amazing stuff in such a short time. Not that you need my vindication because you're doing fantastic. uh, In my opinion, I think you're doing a great job. Um, And why I want to know, obviously for you, you obviously seem very, very confident. You're not worried about the obstacles. Of course, you've already faced and those that I imagine you'll probably have to face at some point in your career. But what is the ultimate goal for you? Where would you like to be? in terms of your content and obviously your career as a woman in motorsport? A Formula One presenter, of course. That is the ultimate goal. And I just like, I love to do many things at once. I would love to, well, become a female presenter in motorsports, but also do collaborations with, fashion brands or with motorsports brands in which I can express also my creative side and my fashion side, you know, like, cause you've seen like, I don't know, like Daniel Ricciardo has his merchandising and like a few other drivers have the merchandising and they've done like collaborations with other brands. Like Daniel Ricciardo did his collab with the wine brand. And then like Pierre Gasly has modeled for Alpatauri and they've like created some signature pieces and stuff. So that, but me as a woman, you know, like create collaborations with other brands. So those two things would are not would be are my ultimate goals. Hmm. And and I think there's definitely a niche for it. I mean, I've seen in other sports, obviously with women that are at the top of their field, there's so much potential there from a marquee perspective, of course, tasteful perspective, I should say, because there are those that obviously look for other things that obviously aren't, you know, in my opinion, very respective, but you know, that that's my opinion on that one. Um, Less said on that one, the better, of course, each to their own. If some people want to do that, that's absolutely fine. But in F1, I do feel like there is definitely a marquee opportunity for a talented woman driver there on merit, of course, you know, first and foremost to, take F1 in a completely different direction for brand exposure and for, as you said, you know, other drivers that have gone into other industries like Ricardo doing wine, something I never thought I'd ever hear or see. And it's happened. Um, I was very much expecting Daniel to be very much in the barbecue range. um, But clearly (laughs) he's trying to venture out to a more European audience as well, rather than just uh, the Australian one, of course, that we know and love him for. Uh, and obviously Pierre Gasly doing the fashion modeling for Alpha Tauri, of course, the team in F1. Lewis Hamilton, of course, very much in, loves right. his fashion, uh, very much doing a lot of work there. Um, and other things, and obviously other F1 drivers are very much getting into that as well. So I feel like a woman F1 driver would definitely be a niche that I think could be an opportunity to become yeah. not necessarily a poster girl for the sport, because I think it's very tempting to make one. Um not necessarily for the right reasons, but I think it's important to have that 
new dynamic, that new brand. And yeah. I suppose, like you said, you know, you want to be involved in F1 in that capacity. I've got the absolute utmost faith that you can do that. Just one thing I do ask is just make sure to remember me when you get there, because of obviously course. I'm going to need some friends You've in higher places. You've been here since the beginning. I always remember the people I started with. Always. I'm going to need friends in higher places when I want to go to Formula <laughs> One Grand Prix or something like that. It's like, oh, Manena, by the way, I'm traveling to Mexico. Do you mind hooking Hi. me up with a ticket? <laughs> to go and watch the race <laughs> just to meet some of the drivers and i'll try not to fanboy and embarrass you while i'm there but uh yeah I'll go like, i don't even know them that's, as long as i get to see them that's fine i'll just stand in the corner and not shout their name you can fanboy as long as much as you want let's just pretend we don't know each other <laughs> oh. well i don't know if i can hold up my end of the bargain because i might have to say oh i know manena just so i can stay in um, but, i'm kidding yeah. obviously <laughs> but of, of course you know I think that's fantastic. And, you know, I've seen a lot of women go so far in motorsport and come yeah. over these, overcome these obstacles. And I think it's just, for me, I just don't understand why there are still some people that feel that certain characters don't belong just because of who they are or what they look like, etc. And some people don't get taken seriously. It's a threat. It's a threat. Mm. People are scared to change. And the world is changing. Yeah. Especially the female world, females are starting to take over the world. And I don't mean this in a power way. I just mean this in a equity way, you know, men and women, even though there's still a lot of sexism, they're starting to become more equal because we're never going to be, well, not equal, but, you know, equality and equity we're never gonna get to equality because men and women are anatomically different. But we can come to an equity in which men and women can be at the same level. So that's what's starting to happen. And men are afraid to lose their power, but it's not about women gaining power. It's just about women being at the same level, you know? Mm. And you can expand that onto so many other things such as race, yeah, sexual yeah, orientation. Yeah, yeah. We no, race as one. world in general. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, F1 pushed the mantra, or at least they did, for We Race is One. And uh, there have been some questionable actions from <laughs> certain personnel owing to uh, what happened in Hungary with Sebastian Vettel very much promoting uh, diversity in the right way. And, and Seb's a very wholesome character and my favourite driver on the grid because of that. You know, he's, he's a great awesome. human being. and, he's and such a yeah. human he person. really is a model a mo definitely a role model if I ever saw one. Yes. Uh, amongst others as well, it must be said, but Seb really has definitely stood up as lewis has of course as well it's not can't forget him um before obviously we wrap this all up banana of course you know it's great to hear your insight and i really really appreciate you sharing your journey and your experiences with us i know that it's not Thank an you. easy thing to talk about sometimes and i can imagine a lot of women have stories on certain things similar to yours and i really appreciate you opening up and um, sharing those stories with someone in particular that wouldn't even begin to understand what that must be like because that I live in a completely different world to women in right. that regard because I don't have I don't have to, I'm lucky enough to not have to worry about those sorts of things but of course if there are any people that are interested in uh, a cross between Harry Potter and Buddy Holly as I've already said then you know please don't bother me with that um at least on that on that regard in the comment section but look let's talk about Formula One obviously the, the thing that you and I obviously share a massive passion for and a lot of our followers obviously do as well. So I'm interested yes. to get your thoughts on the season so far. Now, 
Max Verstappen <gasps> and Lewis Hamilton, the Titanic battle that's gone back and forward. There was a time where it seemed like Max was going to run away with this. Now Lewis has come back into it with the championship lead. Of course, a lot of it has come down to Max Verstappen receiving a lot of misfortune, not being able to score points through almost no fault of his own. How have you seen this season so far? Have you enjoyed it? Um, what's it been like for you? So much. It's been thrilling. Like every single Grand Prix I go like, this has been the best Grand Prix so far. Next one cannot beat it. And I don't know how, but somehow the next one does. I mean, I really don't think that anything can beat Hungary. That was on another level, but like, oh my gosh, the whole season has been mind blowing. Like, I don't even know where to look, you know, races make me so like nervous and anxious in a good way. It's just, it's so exciting. It's like you're watching a movie rather than real life. You know, I still do think Max Verstappen is going to be the world champion. Uh, Lewis Hamilton honestly has gotten lucky the last two races because if Mercedes in any way hadn't crashed against Max Verstappen, I'm pretty sure he would have won these two previous races because it's circuits that Red Bull is used to. Red Bull, I feel, dominates on the tough circuits. Mercedes dominates on the more smooth circuits. And more experienced drivers dominate on the street style. So for Max Verstappen to win Monaco, that was huge, to be honest. I do think that if Mercedes does not get in the way of him next races, he can still keep on winning. Let's just hope that after what happened in Hungary with his car, his car is as strong as it has been because there's been a lot of rumors that maybe his car is not going to be as good as it was during the first half of the season. So I'm just crossing my fingers because I really, really, really want to see a new world champion and he has what it takes to do it. Well, I think a lot of people probably would agree with that, that, you know, they, they want to see not necessarily a change in the guard, but they want to see someone else win it, not because... You know, they don't want to see Lewis Hamilton win it, but I think of because not. of how dominant. I love Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. He's he's mm. an admirable person. He's so talented. It's just time for somebody new. And yeah. I do want to be able to live the day in which I see the youngest Formula One driver ever to win a world championship. So Max Verstappen I don't has to win. <laughs> I'm not sure if he can still do that. I think he. Yeah, he can, I think. I, I don't pr- think there's been a 23-year-old. I think Sebastian That's- Vettel was younger than Max when he won. You might have to check Let's this see. one for me. I think Seb yes. Vettel is, is, was younger than Max when he won his first world title. Um, but, I mean, overall for the season, it it has been a pretty much a back and forth between Red Bull and Mercedes. Sebastian and- Vettel. Yes. Okay, so maybe Max Verstappen cannot do, make it anymore. Mm. Okay, well, <laughs> well anyway. Anyone, our audio <laughs> listeners obviously would not see me do a little fist pump and celebrate there, a little bit of trivia. But um, yeah, look, it's still an incredible <laughs> achievement for Max Verstappen if he manages to pull it off. And against Lewis Hamilton in a very competitive Mercedes, I think it's fair to say one of the toughest world championships yes. that he will ever win in his career. If, if this is the only one or if he goes on to win more, I'm pretty sure this one will mean so much more because of who it's against. But I, I'm curious to ask you about um, some of the other battles. Of course, you know, I could ask you if you think it's going to win. You've already told me that. But I'm, I'm curious to ask you about what you thought of Sergio Perez's first half season with Red Bull because it's had its high moments like Baku where he was fantastic. Yeah. And, yes. you know, 
he was able to pick up the spoils when Max Verstappen obviously had his bad fortune with a tyre blowout and Lewis Hamilton made the mistake, but Mac, uh, Perez was brilliant. But then, of course, yes. there have been other times this season where Checo has been perhaps not as good as perhaps we'd have hoped, In uh, particularly after the Baku Grand Prix. I think his form has dipped a little bit. How have you assessed his first half of the season so far? So, for me, he asked for five races, and that's what he got. Like, on the sixth race, was I... I don't remember which one was the sixth race, but he either got a podium or he actually won. I think it was that race in Baku's sixth race. I think the one he won. So I was like, oh, so he's asking for five races and look, six one, bam, you know, he makes it. So I think he's been really good. He always, but now he's had like a few mistakes in which his car unfortunately stops performing. And I mean, we all know how the big teams are with their second drivers. They're always going to do everything they can for their first driver to win, which is what happens in Mercedes and Red Bull. And I'm aware, the world is aware, and Checo Perez is aware that Red Bull is going to do everything for Max to win every single race. That's exactly what happened in Monaco. I mean, Checo Perez was actually leading the race. And they put him in the boxes. Max Verstappen overtook him and he won the race. Unfortunately, their strategy wasn't as good as it they had previewed it to be because not only Max overtook him, but Carlos overtook him and Lando overtook him. And Tego Perez, instead of ending it up in second or third place in the podium, he ended up in fourth, not getting a podium at all. Anyway, but I feel that... Red Bull and Mercedes should give a little bit more effort to their second drivers because we have McLaren, we have Ferrari in which both drivers are drivers number one in theory but what we can see is that they don't really favor anybody and they get good points. Daniel Ricciardo is taking him a bit of a hard time to you know get adjusted to the car but Carlo Carlos Sainz, sorry, and Jacques Leclerc are both on fire. I mean, Ferrari and Lando Norris have been, well, and Max Verstappen have been the revelation of the season. As for Checo Perez, I think he needs probably a bit more luck (laughs) because his mistakes are mistakes that can be avoided. And this way he can get much better results in races. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I think that's a fair point. I think Perez has made a few mistakes this season that have cost him and but you know when you weigh everything up obviously Perez has to a degree has done the job he's supposed to do and overall yeah he's a driver that Red Bull didn't know they needed I mean he's getting along extremely well with Max Verstappen he's accepted his second driver position he's doing everything he can to score points for the team and he's been you know ticking all those little boxes that Red Bull was looking for Mm. And that's all you can ask for, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, are there any doubts in your mind that Perez will not get a contract next season? Or do you think the Red Bull, they'll announce it sooner rather than later that he'll be on next season? I think he will. There's, I mean, Christian Horner has made it so clear that he does not want Biech Gasly on Red Bull. But then now Helmut Marko, which is a real decision maker in Red Bull, has made it clear that he kind of does want Pierre. I think it's too soon for Pierre to go to Red Bull. I think he's still not ready. He's been improving so much and he's so great. 
but I think he needs one more season with Alfa Tauri so that he can prepare himself mentally to go to Red Bull and that Checo will remain one more contract in Red Bull and that would be it. That's what I think. No, fair enough. Um, whilst uh, obviously I've got you here because I think I really look forward to talking with you on this podcast because like me, you're a big Ferrari fan. Um, oh, definitely. Which is a much rarer find than I thought it would be, um, ex- making a yeah. podcast and putting it out for the rest of the world to enjoy. Um, but what do you th- have you made of their season? Because I think you and I both felt in the predictions uh, that we did uh, last year, I think it was that long ago, that Ferrari, whilst we hoped they would get better, would struggle potentially to break into the top three again, owing to the fact that there was only so much that they could do to develop their car last year. And for lack of a better way of putting it, the the car was terrible last year and the engine wasn't much better. Uh, So how good must it be to see Ferrari now, at the very least, um, fighting with McLaren uh, neck and neck for P3? I mean, honestly, I feel like the luckiest girl in the world. I have my favorite driver in my favorite team, which is Carlos Sainz. Which, oh my gosh, I, nobody expected him to be this good in Ferrari. Especially, as you mentioned, like the car they had last season. And Carlos Sainz has always been good, but he's never been, you know, one to necessarily look at. And he's just killing it with Ferrari. So, Jacques Leclerc has had his pulls, he's had his podiums, he's had a bit of that luck also. But... I think Ferrari is doing great. Like the reason McLaren is on top is because of one sole driver, which is Lando Norris, which has, as I mentioned, also been a revelation this season. Like all hail Lando Norris. I never thought he had it in him to become a world champion. When people would say that, I would go like, you really think that after this season? I'm like, oh yes. After 2022 regulations, he definitely has what it takes to become a world champion. Like Lando Norris is awesome. But in Ferrari, it's been two drivers that have been fighting more, like giving more than what the car gives them. They are making their team be where it is. Not because they have a Red Bull or a Mercedes car, but because of who they are and what they're doing with their car, which is the same thing that Pierre Gasly does in Alfa Tauri. They push the car instead of letting the car speak for themselves, you know? So I think they're awesome. I am so happy with Ferrari. I do think that they can win constructors in third place this season. Unless Daniel Ricciardo finally gets adjusted to the McLaren, then he's going to remind us who he is and McLaren is going to end up in third. But so far, I think Ferrari could do it. Yeah, I mean, that is a huge factor in all of this because Ferrari, whilst Ferrari have been very, very strong in certain places, they've also made mistakes and have cost themselves some points to the point where they are level with McLaren. And, you know, look, I often sit on the fence with my opinions on certain things, perhaps because I'm a a little bit timid of saying, you know, saying what it is for what it is. Um, And, you know, it has been, by and large, Lando Norris versus Ferrari. And this is not a dig at Daniel Ricciardo. This is basically an observation of the fact that we know what Daniel is capable of. And clearly, he knows better than any of us that he is still acclimatizing to this new car. And we may get to a point where this may not happen until next season. We may see Daniel Ricciardo. Which is what normally happens with him. Exactly. And 
I think there is a worry that at Ferrari that they probably feel that they need to build a margin over McLaren because once Daniel gets going and there have been some signs where Daniel has had the potential to do it, it's going to be very hard to beat both him and Lando Norris in the form that they are in. And in McLaren's side, they're probably thinking, well, we're doing a great job in P3 alongside Ferrari at the moment fighting for that. But we really need Daniel to step up to the plate in the way that Lando has so that we know we can beat them. Um, Do you feel with Daniel that that could happen in the second half of the season? Or do you feel that perhaps his focus should be on continuing to build foundations that will serve him better in 2022 when we have the rule reset? I don't know, because this is something that we've seen every single time he joins a new team. It always takes him one whole season to start giving results, you know? And I feel the pressure is starting to get to him in the sense that every single new driver in a new car has adjusted, has received podiums. Well, not Fernando Alonso, but I mean, fourth in Hungary, that was so close to a podium, you know? Mm, And an assist for the win as well. Especially with, yeah, especially with the car they have. I mean, Alpine car is not the best car on the grid. And Esteban Ocon winning and Fernando Alonso in fourth. I mean, that's another hail moment, you know? So I feel the pressure is starting to get to him. And like, I always try to look a bit more past the surface of things. And I always try to, you know, look a little bit at the psychology of the situation of everything. And I feel Vettel, Jacques Leclerc, Daniel Ricciardo, they are drivers that really express themselves with their emotions, let's say. So if something does not go the way they want to, they start sabotaging themselves. And that is what is happening with Daniel Ricciardo at the moment. He's kind of losing his mojo, his confidence, you know? He's starting to feel that maybe he's not as capable as he thought he was. And him alone, he's sabotaging himself to not getting to where he wants to be because instead of focusing on adjusting to the car and not getting better, he's focusing on him not being able to win, on him wanting to win. You know, he's focusing on the wrong picture, I think. And I speak from like experience because I'm also a very emotional person. So I know what it's like to sabotage yourself because you're focusing on the negative instead of on the positive, you know? Yeah. You're focusing on the result instead of the journey or what you have to do to get to the goal. Yeah, no, so, absolutely yeah. understandable. Um I mean, I'm I'm tempted to go through the rest of the field, but I know I'm just looking at time obviously want to make sure we wrap this up soon because I don't want to keep you too yes. long. But one thing I did want to ask you, um, Bottas and Russell, obviously, will they, won't they at Mercedes will have to wait and see what they do. Will they keep Bottas on for another year or will they finally promote George Russell into the car? How do you see this going down? Do you think Mercedes are going to promote George Russell or do you think they're going to give Bottas a, another contract extension? Where is Bottas going to go? I have no idea. Is George Russell going to Mercedes? I have my doubts. I was 100% sure he was going to. But now that there's rumors that Bottas and Lance Stroll might do a little exchange of teams, I'm like, what? Not that I didn't see it coming. I mean, Lawrence Stroll will do anything for his son to become a world champion. But I don't know where Bottas is going. I don't know if Russell is going to Mercedes. All that I'm almost 100% sure of is that Bottas is not remaining in Mercedes. I mean, that's really interesting because 
I've not really considered an option like Lance Stroll. I mean, do, do you think that... I hadn't either. Yeah, I think, just started reading it everywhere yeah. and I was like, what? I mean, for me, the only reason... I mean, Look, it's a perfectly plausible rumour um, for people to put because obviously the Mercedes link with Aston Martin. But yes. since Lawrence Stroll has obviously acquired the consort, led the consortium to acquire what was Racing Point and of course now Aston Martin as a race team and of course the ambitions and the objectives that they have... I think it would make more sense for Lawrence to keep Lance within his own team so that if he I has a chance, yeah, but if he has a chance I to win a world championship, he could do it in that team rather than go somewhere else. I thought the same thing. The thing is, Aston Martin is never going to be as good as Mercedes because the budget is not the same. And I'm not saying that Total Wolf has more money than Lawrence Stroll, but Lawrence Stroll is obviously not going to want to invest all of his money in a team. Whereas Mercedes, they don't even have to invest money in it. They already have so many sponsors that the sponsors pay for the whole team, you know? So here it's not a question of him wanting his son to win in his team. I think it's more a question of him wanting his son to win. And now that they have like this alliance or this partnership with Mercedes, I think that's probably the reason why he's a big you know owner of Aston Martin not necessarily for his son to win in his own team but for his son to have that step or that ladder as you say to be in a winning team I he's such a strategic and intelligent man that he is always like calculating every single thing he does before he does it he does not seem like an impulsive person and it makes so much sense like when I read that I was like Hmm, I never pictured Lance Stroll and Mercedes, but now that they say it, and Total Wolf does not want Valtteri to leave Formula One, it makes a lot of sense that they're actually going to switch the drivers. Hmm. It's certainly an interesting one to ponder. I mean, I can imagine Lawrence Stroll having that aura about him, uh, almost like a mafia don, you know, pardoning the pun on that one but um you, you know but there is something about him where he just gets results and gets things done and to be honest with yes. someone like him leading the Aston Martin team I have no doubts that Aston Martin are going to be a force in Formula One over the next few years we could very much yeah. see that uh next season um I mean with Lance we'll have to wait and see how that transpires I'm pretty sure yeah. Lawrence will want his son to be a part of that but of course we'll have to wait and see and the way Seb Vettel's going we certainly can't rule him out next season depending on how right. things go um one thing I did want to ask before we wrap this up, the, there's obviously been some doubts and talks over whether or not the Mexican Grand Prix was going to go ahead owing to the COVID situation uh, over there at the moment. Is, obviously, you've got the inside track over there at the moment. Um, do you? Is there any stories going around or any inside information in Mexico, in Mexican media no. to sort of say whether it's going to happen or not? So far, it's happening. Good. They just, you know... They're really promoting the tickets. They like they even created this Formula One fan zone. I don't know if that exists in other countries, but it does exist here. So they created the Instagram and they're giving out tickets, which if you don't win them, you can buy them. I don't really know what the fan zone does, but from what I am getting from the website, it's like where like the VIP section, let's say, not the paddock but like a little VIP section and what you can buy your merchandise and you can like go to many concerts and stuff. That's what I got from it. I'm not a hundred percent sure it's 
but um yeah it's pretty much going on from what i'm perceiving well no that's good news because I think you sometimes can get some signs over whether or not it's actually going to go ahead or not. And sometimes, you know, you hear stories saying, oh, they're not going to confirm certain information on the websites, obviously what promote it. The fact that they are doing that and they are pretty much going ahead is like, yeah, this is definitely happening. Like we're doing this, we're doing that. That's really good news because obviously there've been rumors going around the last month or so about will they, won't they. Um, And I've I always hope that there's a Mexican Grand Prix. We didn't get one last season, and I think we definitely need to have know, one so this sad. season, especially with Checo in a competitive car that could potentially win a race. I, <laughs> I mean, know, I'm so happy. Yeah, I that's what I'm looking it. forward to the most. I think we all are. I mean, Checo's won a few races now in F1, so he knows what's required. He's in a car that's capable of doing it. He's more than good enough yes. to do it. So why not you know it would be yeah. fantastic for the mexican fans especially for a homecoming like that for sergio perez yeah. um you know red bull traditionally are very very strong um at mexico yes. so hopefully that continues but menena of course it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and i really as i said before i really appreciate you opening up and sharing your experiences i can imagine it's not easy to talk about some of these things but i really really appreciate you coming on to talk with us about thank that thank you thank you for having me for me it's wonderful what you're doing having your own section in which you empower female in motorsports. Like it's not a woman talking about another woman in motorsports. It's actually a man inviting a woman to talk about women in motorsports. So that for me is incredible. It's such a great platform and I wish you the best of success on this new section that you're creating. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And of course, we do want to encourage more women content creators or women working in motorsport that want to come on the show and talk about their experiences and their stories. And most importantly, to inspire, if you like, the next generation of young women that want to get involved in motorsport or have an interest to feel like, hey, look, they're doing this, so can I. This doesn't yes. need to be a world that's dominated by men in that regard. I mean, as I said, Formula One for a long, long time was considered a gentleman or a boys club. And in some regards, it probably still is. But I don't think that that should put people off, uh, women or Definitely. people of, you know... Uh, uh, people of color or, or other sexual orientations etc to feel put off that they can't belong i mean look at lewis hamilton brilliant example of someone that yes 20 years ago you wouldn't have expected anyone like him to be in formula one and now he's statistically definitely. the greatest driver of all time and that's an incredible thing and should be celebrated and you know definitely who knows where the next lewis Hamilton's going to come from maybe we'll see a jamie chadwick or an alice power or abby eaton in Ooh, formula one maybe that'd be awesome maybe we'll have to wait and see but of course guys as i said already if you want to see more of uh Manena on her channel you can check her out on a girl talks <laughs> f1 incidentally yes as she was saying uh, she has a spanish-speaking channel of course a girl talks f1 mx uh, if, if you are Spanish speaking and you want a, a more the more traditional language that you're used to, or if you just want to test your Spanish in the way that my Spanish teacher, yeah. Ms. Garrido, would be very proud to know that I've dabbled in that a little bit just to brush up on my own Spanish and make sure I understand everything. Um, you know, by all means, go check that out. Make sure to like her videos and subscribe to her channel. And of course, you can follow Manena on Instagram by the same handles as well. Uh, as well girl talks f1 incidentally of course if you have enjoyed this episode of the podcast make sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel of course if you are following us on your favorite podcasting platform you can also do the same via that as well and of course we will be having other women guests on the show for this series women in motorsport we're going to be doing over the summer break and we will be expanding uh later on this year and of course into future years as well in the next episode we are going to be having diana 
from Relat. So I'm very much looking forward to having her. And uh, that should be a very interesting discussion as well. Um, but until next time, a guys. A lot of reactions. Yeah, a lot of reactions. Yeah, I, I do enjoy her content. It is quite funny. Yes. Um, she's got the shocked, she's got the shocked reaction face down to a T on her thumbnails. It is definitely a work of art and she's definitely a master of that. But guys, of course, until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. Please stay safe. Until next time, we'll see you on the next episode of the DNF1F1 podcast. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.